and we're live with Be Green with Amy. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Be Green with Amy. I'm Amy. Back in 2012, my hubby and I, we adopted a whole food plant strong lifestyle and combined, we lost over 130 pounds. And so together, we like to help others to achieve this goal, either weight loss or improved health. We coach online and we also do cooking lessons as well. So please click like, share. You can post comments for our guests, ask questions. Let us know where you're from. You can even type in, be strong, be well, and be green. <laughs> Just Taz voice. let's welcome our guest. Howie Jacobson, PhD, hosts the Plant Yourself podcast. He is the co-author of many plant-based lifestyle books. Please click like to help Be Green with Amy. Welcome, Howie Jacobson. Greetings and welcome, Howie. Thanks, Amy. It's great to be here. You know, I am such a big fan of yours because back in 2012, when I adopted this lifestyle, it was a lot different back then. There were some books, there were maybe some YouTube videos. There really wasn't so much information out there like there is today about adopting this lifestyle. And I was so hungry to know about it and to get more knowledge. So I was scouring the internet. I was looking for all kinds of ways. And I stumbled upon your podcast. And it was so delightful. You had so many interviews with the rock stars that I was admiring. And, mm. and I actually was getting so many pearls of wisdom from all of your interviews and you had so many. I mean, I, I mean, I have not heard all of them because you just had so many of them. But it was my goal to every day either watch a video, read some part of a book, or listen to a podcast. I just couldn't get enough. And so you were there for me, and I, and I really appreciate it. Well, thanks so much for saying that. That means a lot. And you know, I, I, you have a podcast too, so you know, like, we're doing it selfishly, right? Like, how can I get to talk to all these heroes of mine? <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't just bother them and talk to them on the phone for an hour. It's like, hey, I'll start a podcast. They'll give me an excuse to like have these amazing conversations with uh, with world changers. Right. And I encourage everyone that's watching and listening to check out how his podcast and it's plant yourself. Is that right? That's the one. Yeah. And we'll put up a link to that in the show notes. Plantyourself.com is your website. You can just search for some, you know, whoever you admire and and Mostly everybody's going to be on there and you're going to find people that you didn't hear of and have really good information from them, too. And so not only that, I mean, you do so many things. I mean, today you were telling me that you do Frisbee competitions, which I didn't even know about that. But you also are a book author and co-author. So you have a lot of different books out there. And one of the books that you contributed to was Whole with T. Colin Campbell, and another one was Proteinaholic. So now you have a new book, right? Why don't you tell us about your new book? Yeah, it's, it's, it's got a provocative title. So people who are watching may click away right now when I say it. And it's called You Can Change Other People. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and let's just leave a little silence for that. <laughs> Before you go on, I want to pose a, a question for our audience. And then we're going to go back to you talking about your book, because this is a question that I get a lot. And this is a topic that people talk about a lot who are whole food plant based. So 
for all of you that are watching or listening, type in true or false, type in your answer to this question. And then after you guess the answer, we're going to ask Howie what he thinks. So here's the question. You can convince a friend or loved one to go whole food plant-based. It just takes time and perseverance. True or false? All right, Callie. Now continue talking about it in this way. We'll see what you have to say about that and your book. Okay. So the answer to that question is tricky, right? Because like, can you? Maybe. Some people, sometimes you, you won't change everybody, right? So I, I did not write a book about... A, a process of manipulation whereby you always get what you want every time and people just bend to your will, right? That's, that's not what I wanted to write. And even if it were possible, I wouldn't want to teach people how to do that. Instead, what this book is, is, is really about how do you help people make the changes that they already want to make in their life? How do you help people become the best version of themselves? Uh, a line that I picked up from uh, another plant-based podcaster, Rich Roll. And how can we guide people on this path when they may be, it looks like they're resisting change or it looks like they're stuck or they're self-sabotaging or they're full of doubt. And right, so there's this idea that we've all heard, you can't change other people. You can just change yourself. So the idea there is, well, if you want to help other people change, all you, just, you just be the role model, right? And like with everything here, there's wisdom in everything. So if you want, if you want your family to go plant-based, you'd better be plant-based. Right? You're not going to just say, you know, you know do, do what I say, not what I do. Or, you know, I've heard this phrase like, here, take my advice. I'm not using it. Right? <laughs> exactly. Right. So we're saying like, yeah, if you if you want like you have to come from a place of integrity. So so let's let's talk to the people who are basically plant based and you've made some changes to your diet. You're feeling better. You might have environmental and ethical um, reasons for for wanting to do this. And you see the people in your family have not followed. Right. So, Amy, I don't know, like in your introduction, you, you showed a picture of you and your husband. Did you go like in lockstep the same day or was one of you a little bit ahead of the other? Did one of you try to, you know, first try to convince like how, what, how did that dynamic go down? Well, it was very interesting. I'm a fan of PBS and I don't watch TV all day long, but I happened to be watching it and PBS and Dr. Joel Furman came on and it was in the middle of one of his three presentations and I was just glued to the TV because all in my brain, I kept saying, and he, of course, talked about this plant-based lifestyle. And all I kept thinking was, wait a minute, I never heard this before, and I'm really angry, and I need to learn more. And so my husband, Rick, passed by the television one of the other times when I was, I, I said, let me see if it's on PBS right now. And, and I was catching like the third one, and then the middle of the second one. And I, I was trying to get them all. And he said, do you like the station? Just donate to it. And I said to him, if I do this, and I get all this material, I can't unlearn what I learned. And then what are we going to do? Uh. <laughs> so he said, I'll do it, but as long as it tastes good. So, but when we did adopt the lifestyle, it, it wasn't just a hundred percent dive in and we both did exactly the same thing and the exactly same level of commitment at the same time. But we both did make a commitment to try. And so I think everybody has a different kind of journey with what they can give up and what they can learn to like. I think that there were 
things that he was not giving up at first and things that I was not giving up at first. And then, but then we, we came together. So it wasn't exactly at the same time, but, uh-huh. but we tried to appreciate our differences. I'm, I'm more of a 100% all or nothing kind of person. So not everybody's like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what, what, I'm, what I'm hearing between the lines, and I'll check with you to see if this is accurate, is that even though you were going at different paces and focusing on different things, you were both supportive of each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, right? so, it was unusual for a couple to have that dynamic for, for this lifestyle approach. But yeah. Yeah. Right, because what I typically see is so it's very often the wife in a in a uh, male man woman marriage where she's like got the bug, she's seen the video, she's read the book, she's watched the YouTube, and she wants to make this change, and other people in the family are resistant, like oh this isn't going to taste good, this is I need my protein, and. So what, what you can get into there is a dynamic where you're suddenly a critic, right? And we try our best to not sh- sh- speak it, but it leaks out, doesn't it? Like, yeah, a lot of proselytizing. <laughs> yeah, or just like I was the one in my family. So I went, you know, whole food plant-based um, 2003. I had two young kids at home. I would, I would walk past them and like I would make this face at their, you know, yogurt or whatever, or chicken nuggets or something. And I was like, you know, that's poisonous. And what about the pure, poor animals? And so when you come at people like that, as a critic, you are triggering their resistance, right? Because nobody wants to be told what to do. So here's the basis of the book, you can change other people is people don't resist change, they resist being changed. And so if you if you approach somebody as a critic, you, you know, your spouse and you're like, why are you still eating that? You know, you, you doctor told you, you know, you have high blood pressure. You're, you know, doing all these things. We talked about this. I, I, I gave you the China study to read. It's still on your side of the bed. I noticed that the, the, the bookmark is still in the introduction. Right. And we can get and like, how is the person going to respond to that? How are they going to take that? Are they going to say, oh, gosh, Amy, you're so right. Thank you for telling me what to do. I forgot, but now I'm going to do it. <laughs> right? Precisely 0% of the time. That's right. right. Instead, even if they want to, even if they're drawn to it, you've put them in a position where you've kind of forced them to be either be oppositional or to lose their autonomy. That's a big thing right there that people don't think about losing the autonomy. You're right. Yeah. If, so if we want someone to make a change, they have to own it. They have to have ownership over the direction, over the change. And that's not to say that we can't help, that we can't support, that we can't be on the periphery or, or provide you know, accountability or whatever they want. But the point is they're the customer. We have to give them what they want and they have to ask for it. If someone just showed up to your house and they gave you some, you know, some item from the store and you didn't order it and you said, you know, here, take this. Like, what am I? OK, like, even if you want it, you'd be like, what, what am I going to do with this? But you know, if you if you ordered it and it comes, you're like, great, give it to me. Yeah. Yeah. So so we want to start out. And that's the, you know, the, the, the subtitle of the book is the four steps to help your colleagues, employees, even family up their game. The first step is to shift from a critic to an ally. 
Mm. Right. So so you have to drop this energy that you know better than they do. And that's really challenging for vegans, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Even if you don't have that attitude, they're still going to interpret it that way anyway. <laughs> it's really it's really hard. <laughs> yeah, they 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 will unless you do proactive things to kind of undermine that dynamic, right? Because, you know, the minute you start eating better than somebody else, there are conversations going on in their head. Like, who are they to do this? You know, oh, my God, now they've lost their what? You know, so if I if I eat a piece of fruit and someone else is sitting next to me eating a piece of chocolate cake, they can feel attacked. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. You, you don't even say anything. And right away, they're already on the defense. Yeah, you're right. 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 So we have to so you have to under, we have to understand. So first of all, the way to become an ally is, first of all, to get in touch with our own positive intent, because if you've been sort of criticizing or nagging for a while, you can kind of feel bad about it. Like, I don't like this dynamic, but I can't stop myself every time he goes to McDonald's. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't like who I am, but I can't not because it's the right thing to do and the animals and all this. So first thing, like, let's be gentle with ourselves. Get in touch with your own positive intent. Like, what do I want? You know, my husband is 100 pounds overweight and has high blood pressure. I'm afraid of losing him. Yeah. I want him to be well. I, I want him around. I want him to be happy. I want him to be vibrant. I want us to be climbing mountains on our 50th anniversary. Right. right? Isn't that a beautiful, valid human need? To, and, and, and a generous one, right? Like, I want this person to be well. And so all of our criticism and frustration and anger actually comes from the desire to, to have them be around. It comes from love. If we didn't love them, if we didn't care about them, their behavior wouldn't bother us. Exactly. Go, yep. go, go eat, go eat whatever crap you want. I don't care. <laughs> I don't really love you. In, fa in fact, if you drop dead of a heart attack, maybe I get remarried to somebody hotter. You know, like, <laughs> like that's who I'd have to be to not care. Yeah. Yeah. And so what well, once I get in touch with that, like, oh, this is based on love and caring and positivity, then I, I can extend some of that same compassion to the other person. It's like, what, what's the positive intent behind their behavior? Why? You know, so why do people eat crappy food? Right. Are they trying to hurt themselves? Are they are they, you know, just being stupid or does does eating highly processed foods or very rich animal foods, very sugary foods, very salty, fatty foods. Does that serve a purpose for them in the moment? Is that doing something that they want? Right. And then that's typically it seems like that's what it is. And so many times I hear people say, oh, it's just because I like the taste. And it doesn't seem like they can differentiate the taste that is being interpreted from their taste buds to their brain to the actual hit. <laughs> of dopamine that they're getting. You really think it's actually the flavor and that if it didn't taste that way, they, they wouldn't feel that way. But you're right. Yeah. And I don't actually know, like one of the things that's important to me is to is to not superimpose my knowledge on their experience, because if I t if I tell someone that you think it's the taste, but it's actually the dopamine receptors, that may be technically true, but I have undermined their experience. And that's a threat. Yeah. So so even if it's just the t even like I love the taste, 
like eating things that taste good. Isn't that a nice thing for human beings to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's what you're all about. If you if 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 you were fine eating stuff that you didn't like, you would not do cooking demos. Correct. And right? that's what we're always trying to look for ways to make it taste better. Yeah. Yeah. So so people like to eat food that they're comfortable with, that you know, we tend to eat foods that we are familiar with that we've eaten since childhood. They can have memories of, you know, grandma mm -hmm. made this. We eat foods that are comforting to us. We eat foods that remind us of our identity, of who we are. We eat foods for the dopamine. If we're you know, stressed or upset, then food is a very good pacifier in the short term to make to, to our term to make us feel a little bit better. There's and like feeling good, feeling better, not being anxious, not being stressed, not being scared, not being frustrated, not being bored. These are all positives. These are like the person who is eating in that way that we are judging so hard is doing it because they want to feel good. Yeah. And so once we understand that, we can then empathize with them. And that's really the, the first thing we want to do in, in conversation is empathize. And and so, so like, you know, if the person's overweight and has um, high blood pressure and maybe have trouble walking up the stairs and they get tired, and you know if they if they ever complain to you, a complaint is a beautiful silver platter opportunity, to to then you know because a complaint means they don't like it, but they're not taking action on it. Okay. Right? So to empathize with the complaint, boy, that's that seems so hard. I'm so sorry that that's your experience right now, right? Instead of like, oh well, you know, just go plant based and it'll go away, right? Can you feel the difference? Like if we're just sort of waiting for them to complain so we can pounce mm -hmm. versus really taking them in and empathizing with what they are going through. So that's, okay. that's, really, yeah, that's, that's really the first step. And I think that we a lot of us get those silver platter opportunities and we completely blow it. <laughs> I blew it for years because I did two different things wrong. So in a, you know, this book is really about if it's a personal and professional. It's really it's a mode of communication that you could you know, use anywhere. But what I would do if somebody complained like a family member, like, oh, I'm gaining weight, I'm not I would jump in like I would like you can picture like like Lancelot, you know, riding on the horse. Here's the book you got to read. <laughs> right? And in professional circumstances, when somebody complained, I would I would get really frustrated because complaining is like, oh, they're not doing anything. They have no agency. And mm -hmm. I would kind of resent that and look down upon them for complaining. Right? As opposed to seeing a complaint is an opportunity to engage in a conversation that if we do it right, they may want our help and they may want to change. OK, so now you've got this silver platter and now you have to be very careful about what your next step is and what you're thinking about saying. Because, of course, the other thing is just to bite your tongue and not say anything, right? I think a lot of us have gone through that, too. Right, right. And how, how, how well does that work? <laughs> no, it just frustrates us more because we know that we can help that person. And we've said it too many times. We don't want to see the whites of their eyes anymore. So we just bite <laughs> our tongue because we just, we just toggle between biting our tongue or telling them what they're doing wrong. Right. So we, we, ha we have this, this myth that we either have to choose the change or the relationship. Mm. And the truth is, there's this, the method that we teach in this book actually privileges both. That the only way to get the change is through the relationship.
Mm, okay. All right. So the formula, we have a, what we call the permission formula, which is the, 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 the part of the first step to shift from critic to ally. How do you know you've done it correctly? Because you've used the permission formula and they've given you permission to have the conversation. So it goes like this, empathy, express confidence, ask for permission. So it might be like, boy, you know, it's I can see how much your back hurts these days with the, and your and you're complaining about your knees. And, you know, I know you're scared about your next checkup. I must that must be so frustrating. Um, I'm so sorry that you're going through that. And, you know, I've known you for a long time and I've known you to be someone who can. Like really overcome stuff. Like you, it's been so many times that I've seen where you've put your mind to something and really mastered it. So that's confidence, the second part. And the third part is, would you like to think this through together? All right. So that's what you're asking permission for, not can I teach you everything I know, not can I tell you what to do, not. Yeah, but can we think this through together? Can you see how gentle that is yeah. and how easy it is to say yes to? Right, because it's not a one sided thing. It's, it's cooperation. Right. You're not putting yourself above them. Mm. Right. You're not saying I read the books. I know the answer. You're a lost lamb in the wilderness and then you need me. All right. And so here's the here's the here's the question. What do you do if the person says no? If they if they say no, I, I really don't want to think this through with you. Like what's what's your next move? Yeah, that's a good thing, because especially if you've hounded them several times before about the lifestyle, they're probably already getting their defenses up thinking, OK, here it's been five minutes, so it's it's probably long overdue. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so the move here is to be totally OK with it. Yeah. It's to say, OK, cool. That's great. If you ever change your mind, I'm here. Yeah. Because by doing that, there, that was that was a test. I mean, sometimes they really don't want to talk about it. And yeah. if they don't want to talk about it, you're never going to get through. Mm -hmm. But most of the time they are, again, defending their autonomy. And by saying no, they're testing you and they want to see, do you really mean this new approach mm -hmm. or is this just something you read in a book and you're trying, but you're the same old person? Yeah. So um, this has happened to both to me and to my co-authors that we've we've done this and people have said no. And then later on, even in that day, they come back and they say, you know, I kind of would like to talk about it. Because now now they trust you a little bit more. Right. And if you have been nagging for years and you have this dynamic of, of, of conflict and difficulty, start by acknowledging that and say, you know, the way I've been trying to talk to you about this and change you. It doesn't feel good. And I've been kind of rude and disrespectful, honestly, and I really want to do better. And I want to I want to do this and I want to talk about I want to have conversations with you in a totally different way. Are you open to that? All right, because what you're really doing is the other person, if they're going to change, they have to admit that there's something they're doing that's not right. Mm. And it can be very shameful, especially if people are overweight. They know they're not they're not eating the way they want to eat. They know they're unhealthy. But and they'll feel a lot of shame. And when we feel shame, we do not like to feel shame. We will do almost anything in our power to deny the feeling of shame, which means denying there's a problem in the first place. So when I come out and apologize and make myself vulnerable in advance, then 
I create a space where the other person can feel safer. Right. And like you said, you're equal again. They are feeling vulnerable and you're showing vulnerability as well. So now you're trying to get that equal. Precisely. Putting, yeah. Precisely. So that's that's step one. You know, so at some point, if they say yes, I'd love to think this through with you. Then what do we do next? Yeah, that's another good step to think about, because now you finally got your silver platter and you finally <laughs> got the answer. So now what? You don't yeah. want to blow it. <laughs> right. So what, let's let's think about what our def, what our natural default would be. For me, it's now I'm going to throw the book in their face. <laughs> or the movie. Or the movie. <laughs> Forks over knives. <clears throat> Here you go. <laughs> right. And of course, that doesn't that doesn't help. Right. Because for a couple of reasons, one is we don't actually we're just trying to solve their problem. Like the problem is I have high blood pressure. Let's fix the problem. But problems aren't that interesting because if you if you just solve the problem, if someone's focused on their problem, they are thinking in terms of getting rid of a negative. And so think about like so when you, Amy, and your husband decided to go whole food plant based, it sounds like it was a lot about getting rid of negatives. Like, I don't like the way we look. I don't like our health. We're going to stop doing things so that we can get rid of this problem. But yeah. think about where you are now. Like, mm -hmm. you don't have that mindset at all anymore. Now yeah. it's a totally positive lifestyle experience. Yeah, it is. And then once you get to that point, it starts to make you want to change other areas of your life and improve them as well. So it's kind of a cool snowball. Yeah. So for you and for almost everybody I know who goes whole food plant based, it turns out the reason you went whole food plant based, I'm overweight, I'm tired all the time, I have type two diabetes, that ends up being an opportunity to change everything. Yeah. Right. People go whole food plant based, then they start becoming compassionate and they become positive and they have more energy and they can see more opportunities in the world and they can see beauty and love and, and places for activism and all this great stuff. And so the thing the thing we want to do the minute the person says, OK, yeah, I'll think it through with you is we want to shift them from thinking about the problem to thinking about what they want. So the second step is called um, identify an energizing outcome. And we say, so what what would you like? What what would be what would be what would be great for you? What would what would you what do you would you want to happen? How would you like to be in six months or a year? Right? Some version of that question that, that makes sense to ask them to think about the outcome that they want to get in the future. Wow. And I'm sure a lot of people have dreamed about those outcomes. So I think I don't think it's gonna take them very much effort to reply to that because they probably have a lot of things they've been wishing for and hoping for and, and thinking that it wasn't possible. Yeah. Yep. Sometimes we get that. We get people who who say, I know exactly what I want. I want to weigh this much. I want to climb a mountain. I want to dance at the grandkids wedding. But very often what people will say, especially if they've just been complaining and we've been mm -hmm. empathizing, yeah. is they'll say, I want to get off my diabetes meds, mm. which is not really positive. Mm. That's again, getting rid. I want I want to avoid this. I, I, yeah. I don't want to die of cancer. Yeah. I don't want to die of heart disease. Right. So we want to listen for the don't wants. And then there's a simple question because we want we want their outcome to be positive. Mm -hmm. We want them to be remember, we said an energizing outcome like me not taking medicine 
isn't really energizing. Mm -hmm. Me climbing a mountain, me learning ballroom dancing in my 80s, like I could get behind that. Yeah. I mean, not ballroom dancing. Don't say never, Howie. <laughs> <laughs> Play, playing ultimate Frisbee in the Olympics in my 80s. Okay. okay. Um, right. So, so if, they're, if they're coming up with only negatives, we want to say, so, and what would you want instead? If you're not on your meds, what would your life be like instead if you, if you weren't struggling with type 2 diabetes? And then we get them to sort of think about something that is motivating to them, something that means something to them. Right. Right. And so that's that's step two to get them to explore. And we want the outcome to be positive, clear and meaningful. Right. So you can tell when someone's like, oh, yeah, I want that. Right. Like, you know, I want to lose 50 pounds. How excited do I look about that? No, I really mm -hmm. want to lose 50 pounds. I really don't like the way I feel. I want to lose 50 pounds. Am I excited? Mm -hmm. Well, so what would your life be like if you lost 50 pounds? Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't be wearing these tents anymore. OK, what would you be wearing instead? Mm -hmm. Oh, I could, you know, wear size six, that blouse that I haven't worn in 30 years that I loved so much. Um, I could, you know, and if you wore those clothes, how would you how else would your life be different? I would go out. I would go walking on the beach. Um, I would go I would go salsa dancing again. Right. And so of, the sentences are either I won't or I can't or I won't anymore or I can or I could and I would. And so there's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. So when, you, when people get excited, this is oh, this is meaningful to me. Then you can move on to the third step which is to go back to the problem and find what's the opportunity in this problem. Right. Because if someone is, you know, let's let's say the problem is I'm 50 pounds overweight and I have type two diabetes. Suppose let's do a thought experiment that may not be that far off. Suppose you could give me a pill that would cure my overweight and my diabetes. And that's all I had to do. Yeah. Would I achieve my energizing outcome? I think a lot of people are dreaming about doing <laughs> doing yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. But see what people really want is not an outcome, but values. Yeah. People want to live in a certain way. People want to be in control. Like the biggest problem people have around food is not what it does to them, but how it makes them feel about themselves. Yeah. I'm such a slob. I'm such a pig. I have no self-discipline. What's wrong with me? Right. So when you really get to it, what people want is very often I want to be the kind of person who treats myself right. All right. And so you've seen it, I'm sure, thousands of times. People go whole food plant based and they suddenly develop respect for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. You're right. And how and how I mean, how do you see that playing out in the rest of their lives? Right. And it's true. They define themselves differently. So and that's one of the ways that they can avoid being tempted by things because they define themselves. I'm a healthy person. Healthy people don't eat that way. Yeah. So they change their whole definition. Yeah. Yeah. Can I can I ask what you were doing professionally before that? I've worn many hats. <laughs> one of the things that I did professionally was I was a realtor. Mm -hmm. So that was probably okay. one of the last things that I did before I uh -huh. adopted this lifestyle. Yeah. Uh huh. And do you know, do you feel like you're more aligned with your life purpose doing this or real? Oh, yeah. Or realty? Oh, yes. Very much so. Right. So if I could have given you that pill 
you look exactly the way you look now. You're, oh, yeah. you're right. You would not have had to grow. You're right. You're exactly right in so many ways that I couldn't even. Yeah, I would just be a slim person that felt healthy and I would just be going along my way. And I, for me, I feel like I'm giving back to the universe. And I feel like when we do broadcasts like this with you, that there's somebody out there getting a light bulb in their head saying, oh, this is going to change my world. This is what I needed. And that, to me, is even a greater thing than having achieved my good health, which is a wonderful thing, but it's just a bonus. And it would know it would never have happened. Yeah, I asked I asked this to people on my podcast who have had tra transformation stories, mm -hmm. who've lost several hundred pounds, who've reversed, you know, terrible chronic illnesses. And I asked them if you had to choose hypothetically between, let's say you were still obese, um, but you're the person you are now inside, or we just waved a magic wand and you got the body you wanted, but you didn't have to do any work, which would you choose? And they always say the weight loss is almost irrelevant. Mm -hmm. it's, I'm, I, I like myself now. I, I wake up in the morning with purpose and passion and I'm in service to others and I'm a I'm the person that I wanted to be. And the weight loss is simply a, a, a lagging indicator, a symptom of that of me being that person. And if I had to choose one, I would choose to be that person and be heavy. Yeah, because you're contributing so much more to the world and and you have a, a whole different feeling about yourself. And perhaps if you could be that way, you might not want to indulge in, in all those foods because of the different way that you feel about yourself. Yeah, don't 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 we use food in this country um, as a drug? Oh, I I was just telling someone the other day I happened to I've been under a rock for two years. So I agreed to go to a restaurant because my father-in-law was having a, a wonderful gathering for his birthday. And it was supposed to be kind of not around too many people. It had been, like I said, that long a time before I've even really been too much out in public or much less being watching people eat foods that I don't normally eat. And it, it was just an incredible, shocking experience seeing people with all their different kinds of foods that I would not eat and alcohol too. And, oh, what do you have? What did you get? Oh, is that good? Yeah, I have this. This is so good. What do you have? And then somebody asked my husband, Rick, what did you get? And he said, I got a salad. And he said, oh, yeah, what would you get on that fish? What'd you get? You know, because they think that because we're vegan or plant-based that we eat fish. And he said, no, he said, I, I have beets on my salad. Oh, yeah, really? Now, how is that? <laughs> and it was just, I felt like there were heroin needles being passed around. Oh, this is so good. You need to try. It was just surreal for me. Yeah. And, but, to, you know, when you start, you might go to that place and feel tempted or like, oh, I can't not. There's social pressure. Right. And then to be able to go to enjoy yourself, to not be sort of judging everybody else, but, you know, like, OK, they're all doing their thing and I'm perfectly happy with my beet salad and I can participate in the conversation and I don't have to bum anybody out. And I'm just I like I'm comfortable in my skin mm -hmm. like like that's a that's a heck of a journey to yes. go on. And it started because of the problem of being overweight. Yes. <laughs> Right. So almost, almost every time the 
the problem can become like a, a doorway to not just solving the problem, like going from negative back to zero, but going from negative one to positive five. Like when we look at the problem and say, what's the opportunity here? So I'll give you an example. Let's say somebody's problem is they have a sweet tooth and they can't stop eating candy and desserts and sugar. And we say, so, OK, so what's the opportunity in the problem? Right. What what's the what's the what's the positive intent behind it? Well, there's lots of reasons that somebody might be eating lots of sugar. One is they're tired and yeah. sugar gives them a, a quick boost of energy, um, at least psych certainly psychologically, maybe physiologically as well. So the opportunity there is why are you tired all the time? What can you do about your life to have more energy and involvement and elan and vim and vigor? They might be eating sugar because they're miserable. And the only way they've ever learned to cope with that feeling is through sugar. It solves the problem, right? You skin your knee, mommy gives you an ice cream. You learn that uh, pattern loop. And yes. now all of a sudden, every time you feel sad or disconnected, you go for sugar. And so the opportunity there is to, to if you if you stop eating the sugar, you're going to start feeling what's real. You're going to start feeling what's really going on inside you. And you have the opportunity to become bigger, to withstand these feelings without needing to run away from them. And by the way, when you stop medicating with sugar, you might start to figure out what's making you sad. And you could actually start to make steps to have a happier life. Yeah. So there's lots of opportunities that need to be talked through and people and it's like you said, it's not just about losing the weight. There's a lot more deeper things going on. Right. And the fourth step is simply to let's let's not just end with insight, but let's make a plan. So, you know, so like what do you want to do specifically and by when? And how confident are you that you're going to do it? And again, we're not trying to like corral them into something. We're not taking ownership now and say, OK, this is what you got to do if you want to do this. Right. We're asking them, what do you think you might want to try? And we're saying like this is an experiment, just like, you know, the, the beautiful story of you and your husband, like I'll go this, I'll try this, I'll go faster, I'll go slower. Like it was there was a lot of faith that each of you had in the other that we're going to get there. Right. Right. So we want to maintain and that's that allowed each of you to maintain your ownership because you didn't feel pressured by the other one to move at a particular pace or in a particular direction. So in the plan, it's really crucial that the other person drives like this is. Yeah, I'd like to try this. You know what? I've been reading about meatless Mondays. I'm really thinking that that, that might work for me. And, you know, and in some part of your mind, you're going meatless Mondays. That's three meals out of 21. <laughs> and what you're still going to have eggs and cheese. And what about the cattle and the, the, the methane? Right. But, but, it sounds like one of those old dolls that you would pull a string. <laughs> You've got all the little verbiage that they that the the talking vegan doll would say. Right, right, because we're taught. You know, you you enter the whole food plant based vegan world, and you're given all the talking points. Yes, right? as if that has ever convinced anybody. No. Right. So so instead, we're saying like. If you know what, if someone wants to start with Meatless Monday and we can help them do it, well, guess what? Now they are identified as someone who is part of this movement. 
So now they might on their own might say, you know, Monday was great. I felt better on Tuesday. Maybe I'll do it on Friday, too. Yeah. Right. That we're that when we can check with them, like, how does that feel? What are you thinking? And and help them with, you know, any issues they have or problems or like brainstorm if they're, you know, oh, this particular situation at work after work, like we all go to the bar and I keep having chicken wings, even though I don't want to. Right. We can then talk with them about and help them brainstorm. But again, it's helping them to come up with their own creative ideas and solutions. So they're running the show. Maybe they're not familiar with the lifestyle or the meatless Mondays or anything like that. Is there any time that we can suggest something or do we have to wait oh, for them to ask us? No, I, I, that's a great question because I suggest things all the time. Yeah. But I do, but I do it. I, I frame it in a particular way that makes it palatable. So I might say, hey, you know, I have a thought. Would you like to hear it? OK, so you're always asking permission. There you go. You're asking mm -hmm. permission again. OK. Right. And then when I say the thought, I'll say, what is how does that sound to you? OK. And because it doesn't matter, I don't have to be right. Mm -hmm. Right. If I suggest if I hear something, I say, oh, I know what they should do. And I say, here's what you should do. Mm -hmm. Right now we've got resistance again. Yeah. But if I say, hey, I have a thought. Can I share it? Do you mind? If, would, I, would you like to hear it? And I say, sure. And I say it. And they're like totally recoiling like, no, 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 no. Then I get delighted. I don't go. I don't go. Oh, you didn't like my idea. I'm yeah. hurt. You mm -hmm. say, cool. Tell me what about that wouldn't work. And um, now you get more information and you can do more brainstorming. And, and they're going to so they're going to talk themselves into an appropriate co course of action. That was a good response, talk. because some people would say, how come you didn't like that idea? And they it would turn it into a negative. And yeah. That, that was a good response. Yeah. yeah. If somebody says no, that's great. That's great because they're still um, expressing Engaged. their ownership. Yeah. Right. That, that's how I know they're still in charge and we're still, you know, we still have fuel in the tank. Right. Beware of someone who starts saying, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I used to, <laughs> love, <laughs> I used to love hearing that. Now I hate it. <laughs> right. Then you're like, oh, OK, this is good. This is not going in the direction. <laughs> So, so no can be a good thing. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. And we're not demanding that they choose the right plan either. First of all, we have no idea what the right thing is because yeah. it's all in the future. But second, even it's I would rather them come up with a crappy plan that they're willing to follow than the perfect plan that I impose upon them. And the important thing is that they're willing to try it and they're willing to learn from it. Right, because all I mean, your journey, I'm sure, was full of missteps yeah. of trial and error. And that's true for all of us. So if we if, if we if we view error as well, that's the end. Like, oh, I did. I did the Esselstyn diet for two weeks and it didn't work just like the zone and the Atkins and South Beach and Pritikin and Weight Watchers. Right. Then they they're got a story in their head that me not succeeding in this moment means that I failed again. Yeah. As opposed to, oh, so what what was missing there? What can I try differently? Right. I mean, do you, do you play a musical instrument? 
not very well. So I, I have to say no, because I know. Oh. But you took lessons? <laughs> My neighborhood friend did, and he hated it, and I wished I could be him. Uh -huh. <laughs> what, what, what was the instrument? He learned to play piano, and before we could, we were very young, before we could play together, his mother made him practice, mm. and it was the theme of the March of the Wooden Soldiers, and he played it so fast three times, because that was what he had to do to practice. Yeah. <laughs> and he was, And he was just so... And here I was like, gee, I wish I had piano. <laughs> but anyway, so I've got, that's my familiarity with the lessons. <laughs> gotcha. Well, so the, the metaphor, mm -hmm. it might have fallen flat, but the, the, the metaphor is if you were going to play the piano and you've never taken a lesson before and you're taught to, you know, maybe to play a scale or to play the first three notes and you make a mistake, you hit a wrong note, mm -hmm. does that mean you should give up? Absolutely not. Right. You need to practice more. Yeah. Or, or not figure only out are... what you may be, your technique may not be correct. Yeah. Mistakes are actually teachers. Mm -hmm. Right. You hit the wrong note, then you go, oh, that didn't sound right. So let me, let me play it again slower. Let me pay more attention. So the mistakes are not only not bad, they're actually good and they're actually necessary. You absolutely cannot learn without making mistakes. But for some reason, when we think about lifestyle change or diet or meditation or exercise, the minute we screw up, we go, oh, well, you know, as if I'm trying to play the piano and I hit a wrong note and I go, oh, well, I guess I should never play the piano. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So we want it, We want to foster that feeling that this is an experiment and it's about growth as opposed to it's about getting it. Yeah. There's a lot of perfectionism out there. So that's another broadcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> OK, yeah. so then. Then we got that. So now what's the next step? That was it. That was it. So the, I'll give you the mnemonic. So yeah. there's four steps. So the mnemonic is ally oop. So if you're a basketball fan, ally oop is the pass yeah. that sets your teammate up for a slam dunk. So we've got ally oop. So the first step is cri from critic to ally. Yeah. Then the first O is outcome. The second O is opportunity. And the P is plan. So ally, outcome, opportunity, plan. Those are the four steps. Okay. I guess when I said what's next, meaning that, okay, so is your part in helping this person that you love so much or care about so much, is it over? Mm, Do you revisit and go through the steps again? I mean, that's what I meant. Yeah, great, great. So, so what I like to do is, okay, so there's the plan. Hey, if it would be helpful, would you like to check in in a week or two? Okay. Right. So again, you can go through it like this is my coaching model. So when I work with coaching clients, we this is what they know. We go through this every week. Uh -huh. Right. I mean, the allyship is usually, you know, just a little bit of rapport building. If they're paying me and we know each other, it's not a, we don't have to go through the whole dance. Right. right. So we go. So, OK, so great. So what's the outcome you're going for this week or this month? Mm -hmm. Right. So we're looking positively. Now, the opportunity, what's been going on? What have you tried? What does it look like? And we can get into the details. And then we say, so great. So where's the, you know, where's the opportunity here to get to that outcome? How can we use what's going on now to get to the outcome? And then we come up with the plan at the end, you know, say, great. So when do you want to check in again? Would it be OK? You know, or, hey, I'd, I'd love to hear how it goes. So if it's someone who you, know, you don't live with, you might say, hey, would you be willing to let me know how it went? Check, you know, I'd I'm, I'm, I want to support you. I'm really curious. I'm invested. I'm bought in. So I'd, so you're making it about yourself. You're not like, I want to keep helping you, but like, yeah. I really want to know. Uh -huh. Right. So it's again, it's their thing. And you're just excited about it. 
Right. So you're getting permission to follow up and still be there because they're going, they may come up and say, this is not working. That's a problem. Can I, can we walk through it together and figure out? And then you have that silver platter again. Right. Right. And what actually, what we tell people is like, if you get the book, you can change other people. (laughs) You can tell people like, Hey, I've, I, you know, I don't like the way that I've been communicating with you about this. And I got a book that's, um, I want to, I would love to try this. Are you open to that? Right. So you can actually like, oh, yeah, like you can be vulnerable and honest and transparent about, hey, I'm trying something. And, you know, let's see if let's see if this works. I'd love to, I'd love to try this. Well, that's great. And we're going to put a link to your book and all of your books, actually, that you've authored and co-authored in, in the show notes so that people can go to them and check them out. And also we're talked about your website. We'll put a link to all that. It looks like we have a question. Janelle said, I know I should exercise, but I just can't stay motivated. Any tips? So if I were coaching Janelle, so assuming I'm I'm her ally and she's she's given me permission, I'd say, well, what's the outcome you want? What would you know if you were exercising, what would that do for you? And, you know, we could Imagine I would feel I'd have a, I'd be happier. I'd be in a better mood. I'd lose weight. I'd be stronger. I'd have more stamina. I would uh, have more patience with my kids. Like what, whatever someone would come up with. Um, so we get them to some you know exciting outcome. And so then at that point, I might do a little bit of teaching. I'd say like this is like very often when people aren't doing things they think it's a motivation problem. But it's almost never a motivation problem. Right? It's because motivation implies, well, I have to think about why I want to do this. Right? So Amy, when you get up in the morning, uh, do you have like a a morning wellness routine? Anything you do every morning? Yes, I do. Well, I always have my exercise clothes laid out the night before. And as soon as I brush my teeth and all those things, I immediately put them on, even though I'm not immediately exercising, but I've got my Superman cape on and I'm ready when the call comes. But then my monkey brain says I have to empty the dishwasher and do certain things because I can't stay focused unless those things are done. And then I can clear my mind and and exercise. But yes, and I do that every morning. All right. So there is a way in which you're not trying to motivate yourself in the morning. You're doing the opposite. You get up and you put on your exercise clothes. That's not a decision, mm-hmm. right? There are days where you're like, oh, I'm kind of tired. I don't feel like motive. I don't feel like exercising, right? Yeah. So motivation would be, but I, but I want to. I've got to. That, right now you're in a you're in an argument. Mm-hmm. What you want to do is shut the mind off. Is not think about it. If you make it automatic, I get up, I put on my exercise clothes, right? So I'm not motivated, but I put on my exercise clothes. <laughs> Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not motivated and I'm walking to the, the gym or I'm, I'm going downstairs to my stationary bike or my Peloton. I'm not motivated, but I'm doing the thing. Yes. So, right, like, like for, for Janelle to even raise the question, right, to say, hey, I'm willing to go on to this, um, this live stream and ask this question, you know what? That means you're motivated. That means you want it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the issue is like it's not a motivation question. It's a follow through question. So what I would say is there is a moment in your day, Janelle, where you're either going to exercise or not exercise. 
right? And you know, and maybe it's set up completely so that you, you're likely not to exercise, right? So your gym clothes are in the back of the closet underneath all the bedding <laughs> and you don't actually have comfortable shoes and you don't go to the gym anymore. Like if you were to exercise, it would be a gargantuan thing. Mm -hmm. So let's make it as easy as possible. Lay out the clothes, have a plan, make it if you want to start like all of us have this idea like, well, only, only you got to do I have to do an hour. If it's not an hour, but why bother? Right. Start with three minutes. Right. Get the clothes on, do something for three minutes and think about when is the moment where you're either going to do it or not do it, the, the, the choice point. And what are the factors and forces that are influencing whether you move in the direction of your goals or you move away from the direction of your goals and see what comes up in that specific moment and make a plan not for the rest of your life, not for your whole day, but for that moment. What are you going to do when you hear the voice? Hey, but I need to I need to empty the dishwasher now. <laughs> right now, it sounds like that voice doesn't stop you from exercising. No, but if I'm exercising, I'm not feeling I'm not totally in the zone because I'm thinking of all the other things that come after the dishwasher. But that at least right. that's so, something for me. I don't so, know why yeah, so you've, you found out what works for you. Yeah. Right. Somebody else might say, no, if I start emptying the dishwasher, then I'm going to do the sink. Then yeah. I'm going to do the, the sweeping and then yeah. I'm never and then it's going to be too late. Yeah. Right. So each of us has to figure out yes. what what how do we want to behave? Mm -hmm. Right. And then specifically, like we think about like exercising is this like I have to do it for an hour. No, if you do it for 10 seconds, you're probably going to keep doing it mm -hmm. like it's not continuing. That's hard. It's starting. Yeah. So how can you lower the barriers and be real clear in that moment, in that particular moment where you're either going to turn left and go for a walk or you're going to turn right and start having your breakfast and coffee in a Danish? Mm -hmm. Right. That's there's only a, a one moment. And it's like, you know, when you apply all your energy to that one moment, it's like an elephant in high heels. Right. <laughs> that, there's a lot of pressure on a very small area. Yeah. And then you can you can get that. Well, that's very good. And, and I know that what's going to be coming up, the, the 10 pound weight gain for a lot of people is coming up at this time of the year. So let's just get ahead of the game, guys. And don't worry about so much about the motivation, just even like Howie said, if you just do a few minutes, you'll be surprised. So that's very good. I think we have time for another question. So Brigetta, the holidays, <laughs> how can I deal with relatives who say, I made this for you, <laughs> everything in moderation. So I guess yeah. that's some way that you want to try to change somebody, but you don't have too much time. So what can you well, do? Well, luckily, you don't have to change them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Till, right? till next time. Right. You won't see them for a while. I mean, you if you know, if if the question was, what do I do about my relatives who force my jaws open and <laughs> pump, um, you know, candied yams in like I'm like I'm a duck for foie gras, then yeah. I would say, OK, you need to change them. <laughs> but here it's simply a matter of. Right. So can you talk to them in advance and say, hey, I'm doing this thing. And you know what would be what I would really love? I would love for us to be able to get together and have fun without talking about food and what I'm eating and what I'm not eating. Right. So you're not saying, hey, stop this thing. But you're again, you're coming to a positive. What, what's my positive outcome? I want us to just 
really bond on important things rather than what food am I eating or not eating? Because you know I have a funny stomach and I have this quirky thing and I have this doctor who's got me on this thing and it seems to be helping. So I, you know, I'd have a much better time if you just didn't talk about it. Now, maybe they will, maybe they won't. But if they say, hey, I just made this for you, the question is, what, what do you want to say? Like one, one answer is, oh, thank you, let me have some, right? Mm -hmm. That's an answer. Another yeah. is, oh, thank you. And you don't have any and you just leave it on your plate or, you know, get it to the dog or you put it in the in the potted palm. Right? <laughs> that's right. a that's a strategy we haven't explored. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like the question is, what do you want? Right. Rather than asking me for tips about what you should say, like, what would you what how would you want to behave if you were completely comfortable and you weren't in fear? of hurting other people's feelings or being ostracized. Yeah. What, the, what, would, what would your behavior be? I said, oh, that's so kind of you. I really appreciate that. I'm going to stick with this for right now and see how I feel. Right. So is, is, is it going to be deflection? Is it going to be, you know, I actually don't eat that anymore. And so I'm really fine. Don't worry about me. So how's your son's um, uh, baseball season going? Very good. Right. And the question about everything in moderation. Well, like decide, like for a lot of people, that is a viable philosophy. It sounds like it's not your philosophy. So decide what yours is. And, you know, if people are saying everything in moderation, you don't have to have an argument mm -hmm. say, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. That's a I totally get that. Right. Just just, you know, but I, you know what? I'm actually full. <laughs> I think I've just had everything in moderation. I'm full. If I have more, I won't be out of moderation. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me. Well, now you've armed people with some great responses and how to deal with things. And that's wonderful. And it seems like having your book, it's kind of like a map, a roadmap, because all the steps that you brought us through. And of course, you're going to go into more detail in the book. Is that right? Yeah, we wrote the book as a uh, a, a very practical guide. So about 60% of the book is actually dialogues where we show here's what you do, here's what you don't do. We discuss it and describe it, but it really is as, as if we were teaching a workshop so that people leave, have the book, are empowered to actually have language to use. And like, you know, it's almost like a checkers or chess game where they make this move and then you can, you make that move. And again, here, the difference is you're not trying to defeat them, but you're trying to enhance their life. I mean, you gave us some steps now, but there'll be more detail in the book because there's so many different kinds of people and situations that we encounter. And this did apply, of course, to us trying to help others that we love to adopt this plant-based lifestyle. But we run across other times in our lives when we have people that we need to see if we can help them change or change ourselves in, in our relationship with having to help them make them change. So this is really applicable to a lot of different things. Yeah. And that's so, you know, I came at it from a perspective of a health and lifestyle coach. Um, my co-author came at it from a perspective of a, an executive coach. And so we're, 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 we came up with um, a process that applies. It's about human communication as opposed to particular uh, you know, situations or narratives.
Right. Basically, though, you can change. You won't, it, you can't, your title isn't you will change, but you can. And you just have to have somebody that's willing to, with the first question that you ask, that they're willing to actually have the conversation with you. If they're not, then maybe another time or maybe not. But there are still a lot of opportunities for people that are willing to have those conversations. Yeah. And I would say start, start with people who already want to change. Like you can you can use this for people who don't want to change. It's harder, mm. right? If you're if you're the boss and you have an employee who's got a problematic set of behaviors and maybe they don't see that they need to change, you can still use this process. It's actually quite effective, but it's easier to start with someone who says, boy, I'd really I'd really like to eat whole food plant based, but I'm just not succeeding. Mm -hmm. All right. And so they already have energy and momentum. And your goal is to guide them without creating resistance, without forcing them to defend their autonomy by becoming. Well, that's wonderful. I just really, again, it, it's been such an honor to actually have a conversation with you. Like we spoke about the people that you admire and, and want to have a conversation with. One of my objectives today was to meet you because you really helped guide me through my plant-based journey when there really wasn't very much out there for me. And I want you to know that you helped me and you still continue to help me because I still enjoy listening to your podcast and, and reading your books and and all the things that you have out there. So I, I want to really thank you very much. I want to thank you for coming on the broadcast. I know that you're touring mostly virtually and you're very, very busy. And it was so kind and generous of you to come by and chat with us and, and my viewers and listeners. Well, it's, it's been a pleasure and thank you for those words. I wanted to thank also, oh, well, you know what? I wanted to see because I think every time I listen to Howie that I there's always some kind of pearl of wisdom. So why don't you guys type in the comments, what was something that you a takeaway for you from this conversation? Because I would like to see what you're going to remember. And please stay tuned for a special announcement. I wanted to thank someone who's been in the background, and that's our engineer, Rebecca. And, she, and she's been uh, doing all the clicking around so that I could enjoy my time with Howie and speaking with all of you. I wanted to ask Jess Taz's voice, can you please tell us who is coming up next? At age 72, Esther went from size 26 to size six. Esther lost 155 pounds and her husband Ben lost 80 pounds. Learn how it's never too late to begin a journey toward health. Join us on Monday, November 22nd, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Be Green with Amy live. Well, most of all, I want to thank all of you that are watching and listening and liking and subscribing because you're the reason that I got to talk to Howie today because he knew that you would be here. And please help us spread the word of this lifestyle and the work that Howie's doing. Check out his book and you can see the links in the comments below. And thanks again, Howie. If all of you want to type in my tagline, which I'm going to be doing with Howie, the Be Strong, Be Well, Be Green. Are you ready, Howie? All right, I'm going to do it in the Kermit the Frog voice. Oh, wonderful. Okay, guys, here we go. Until I see you again, remember, be strong. Be strong. <laughs> be, well, be well. And be, and be green. Bye-bye, <laughs> everyone.